Wow, thank you, Robert, for that uh, opening devotion. You know, uh, our God knows <coughs> arithmetic, doesn't he? Yeah. He likes to multiply, and that's what he does here uh, in, in Second Peter. It's probably one of my uh, scriptures that I like as well, favorite scriptures, mm -hmm. because he says there, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. You know, not just have faith, but he says to add to it. And uh, as you add to it, you know, as he read these verses, it says there, for if you do these things, what? You shall never fail. And so, as uh, he shared there that, you know, Jesus didn't come to save us from hell, but he's to save us from our sins. That's what, that's what he tells us in Matthew there. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And uh, praise God for that this morning. As we think about um, today, um, what a, a beautiful morning to be gathered together and to uh, again be reminded and to remember um, what Jesus done for us. And that's what we want to focus on this morning. My, the title of my message this morning is Jesus' Last Hours Upon the Cross. And if you can just, um, I guess, visualize or, or kind of picture in your mind with me this morning um, being in the in the uh, in the shoes or in the sandals or whatever Jesus wore um, in his place those last couple hours you know what a what an awful awful um, time <clears throat> for him uh, and for the people in that day you know as you think about even his uh, uh, the last couple days of Christ you know, um, he was um, he was taken from Bethany to to Jerusalem, um, where he had the Last Supper. Um, the Gospels talk uh, tell us and, and tell us about that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, where he sat down with the disciples and and had this Last Supper. Um, I don't know if they realized if they realized what their Lord was doing. You know, they loved him, I believe. Um, I believe they wanted to follow him. Yes, they wanted to do whatever was right. But I don't know if they could really comprehend what was going to take place in the next few days. And uh, so here they are sitting around this table. And they're, uh, you know, Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And, uh, you know, that kind of struck them, I believe. It's like, because immediately they all, you know, is it I? Is it I? Is it me? Um, and those kind of things. Well, anyway, after the Last Supper there, um, they go from, from uh, there to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there in that, uh, in that Garden of Gethsemane, there was great agony that took place. He took Peter, James, and John with him. 
And uh, he told them to stay here while I go yonder. And uh, he says, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. He said to them, you know, watch with me. Then he walked a little farther and fell on his face. And he said, my father, he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not I, uh, as I will, but as thou will. You know, he wanted to do the father's will. He didn't know... Um, he didn't uh, uh, know for sure, you know, what, what, uh, what was to take place. But he knew that he needed to surrender to the, to the uh, Lord's will. He knew that uh, what was going to happen. Can you imagine with me this morning? Jesus knew, but the disciples and all those there didn't understand. You know, even... In the very beginning, as it says there in Matthew, for he shall save his people from their sins. They didn't realize how that was all going to be, how it was all going to play out. <clears throat> but anyway, how cruel is injustice and how hard to take. You know, have you ever thought this morning, um, have you ever been blamed for something that you didn't do or even thought of doing? I'm sure we've all had those moments or those situations where we were blamed for something that we didn't really do or didn't even know about. Um, well, that, that's kind of what, how it was with Jesus. As the prophet Isaiah wrote, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The apostle Paul, long after that, he said, he became sin for us who knew no sin. There was nothing else to do. If he were to give up now, there would be no hope, no salvation, no heaven for anybody. He knew that. And so, as he is there in the garden, that's why he said, not my will, but thine be done. When he returned, when he came back, he found that the disciples had fallen asleep. You know, they must have... They uh, been bored in their day as well like like you know we have uh, many people today say they're bored uh, the disciples must have been bored there in the garden of, of uh, Gethsemane after what you know can you imagine the things that were taking place and was about to happen and here Jesus was and uh, you know he had gone further and fell on his face before the Lord and was crying out to him you know uh Jesus just simply said to Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? You know, and I believe that's the cry this morning from, for, from our Father to us as individuals, as believers, as children of God, to watch with Him, to watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. He says the Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, the second time uh, He went, and he prayed, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And being in agony, the Bible tells us there he prayed more earnestly. Earnestly. And it was as his, his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. It was not just the dread of, of dying 
that um, crushed him. So, but the thought that he must carry the whole fearful burden of human sin. That's what really weighted him down. It was an awful night. You know, there was no rest. There was no sleep for our Lord. And there he was, you know, in that garden. Anyway, from the garden then, he was taken to, um, uh, from Gethsemane to the palace of the high priest. <clears throat> As he says there in Matthew chapter 26, verse 57, um, he says, And they said, and they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away. This is after his arrest there in, uh, in Gethsemane. They led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. They took him there to, to be arrested, to be condemned, uh, to be, you know, the, the thing put upon him. And then from the palace of Caiaphas to Pontius Pilate's judgment hall. What an awful, what an awful time. You know, he's being led like, a, like an animal, you know, like a criminal. Uh, and he didn't even do nothing. He came as, um, you know, to be Lord of, of their lives and to, to save them from their sins and to help them and, and to uh, show them a better way. And yet they treated him like a criminal. And here he was before Pontius Pilate in the judgment hall. And we know there what Pilate struggled with. He struggled tremendously with um, knowing what to do. The choice between Christ and Barabbas. He says in uh, chapter 27 there, he says unto them, What shall I then do with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And remember, he didn't even do nothing. And so, you know, I know we've all experienced those moments or those times when we were accused or, or uh, uh, you know, falsely accused of something that we didn't do or didn't even know anything about. And people were saying, they said bad things about us. And, you know, it hurts. It hurts. Um, and here was Jesus before Pilate. And he says, uh, Pilate says, what shall I do then with Jesus? <clears throat> he even struggled with that. Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried the more, let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and what did he do? He washed his hands, thinking that, that this would, would, would free him from this uh, situation and that he wouldn't have uh, any part of it well he washed his hand before the multitude saying I am innocent of the blood of this just person but let me tell you I believe this morning that God looks at that a little bit differently that you know Pilate uh, Pilate paid a, played a big part in that because he released Barabbas and he gave Christ to the people to be crucified well as he's there in before Pontius Pilate, you know, from there, he, you know, Pilate told him to go to Herod. Go to Herod's palace. And uh, when he's at Herod's palace, Herod says, no, 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 you go back to Pilate. 
you know, I don't want any part in this. And that's where Pilate uh, then condemned him and gave him over to the people. And from the judgment hall to Golgotha or Calvary. <clears throat> well, as we look at the last days upon, <clears throat> last hours upon the cross, um, there's a lot of things that happened in a very short time. You know, the morning <clears throat> or the evening before, um, on Thursday, Thursday evening, they had the Last Supper. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Then they had the, he was arrested. He was on trial he, before Pilate. Sent to Herod, from Herod back to Pilate. And as he, as he gets to um, um, Pilate the second time, that's when he's, he's uh, condemned to be crucified. And he's, uh, Barabbas is released. And as we think about that, in those last hours, that morning, what do you think was going through his mind? I know he was Lord of our lives. He's, he's the Lord Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. But I believe that there was a lot of things that were going through his mind that day. Mark chapter 15, verse 25 says, And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, as he is, as he is led from uh, Pilate's hall to, to Calvary, he is, he is made to carry his own cross. He is told to carry his own cross. Well, because of the beatings and because of the loss of blood and lack of sleep, uh, his body was weak. He stumbled and fell. And <clears throat> there was a man by the name of Simon who was standing along by the side there. And he was told to pick up the cross and to carry it and to, and to help carry the cross for Christ. Um, what a beautiful picture of of taking up the cross and and doing what he could for his lord and savior and um, as they went to calvary as they went to calvary i don't think that the disciples still fully understood what was going to take place i don't think they realized um, but jesus did jesus knew that his time was was short and that he was uh, um, not going to have long until he's going to be back with the Father. <clears throat> well, anyway, as, as they um, led him up to Calvary there, you know, he wasn't your normal criminal. He wasn't your normal uh, individual who, who um, probably fought and, and kicked back and, you know, didn't want to, to be crucified like many, many others in their day. But Jesus simply laid down his life. He laid down his life. He gave his life for you and for me. What a beautiful picture. <clears throat> As he laid his life down upon that cross, that old rugged, um, 
you know, probably splinters. It wasn't, it wasn't very nice. It was just a very rugged cross. He laid down upon that, and those Roman soldiers drove those nails through his hands and his feet. Can't imagine the excruciating pain, the horrible agony, and the pain that our Lord and Savior went through. Those last hours before his death. You know, not only did they nail him to the cross, but then they picked the cross up and they dropped it in the hole. They didn't use any mercy. There was no mercy shown. Those Roman soldiers were very cruel and very um, hard-hearted. They did whatever they had to do to get rid of this individual because to them he was causing lots of problems in their day. And you know, this morning, Jesus is still stirring in the hearts and lives of people. And he's causing problems. He's causing problems in our day. Maybe not equal to what it was back then, but when people come to the knowledge of the truth and accept Jesus Christ as Lord of their lives, there's a change happens. There's things that take place. And there are others that can't see that and they get upset. Even angry because so-and-so has been born again. So-and-so is going to this church now. So-and-so is, is, is carrying his Bible to church. And so-and-so is, is reading the word. And, and, you know, praise God for individuals who have come to the knowledge of the truth. They should be rejoicing. They should be um, uh, saying hallelujah. You know, they have come out of darkness and have seen the light and want to do better. You know, even in, there, in, the, in, in the day of Jesus' crucifixion there, there was lots of darkness. There were people there that didn't believe. There were people there that were very cold and very hard. They didn't want to know. But that's what happens when Jesus comes into individuals' lives, into men's and women's hearts. He, he makes a difference. He causes things to happen. That's why he went to the cross for. That's why he died for. He died for your sins and mine. As he's nailed to the cross and dropped in the hole, Mark chapter 15 verse 24 says, The soldiers parted his garments, casting lots upon them. And you know what? It says there, it says what every, um, what every man should take. Can you imagine? Their mind was, was so far from the truth. They were so concerned about getting rid of this individual and taking whatever they could from him. The Bible says there that what every man should take. 
They wanted to take it. You know, and I believe today that there's individuals that, uh, that have that same mindset. You know, if I come to Jesus, if I accept Jesus, and, and if I do this and do that, well, what's in it for me? What can I take from this? It's not what we can take from this. It's what Jesus has done for us. Matthew 27, 39 and 40 says, They that passed by reviled him as he's hanging there. Those that were walking around the cross there. I believe they were walking around and they were looking at him. And the Bible says that they were, they were wagging their heads. Like, huh, what, a, you know, what's the matter with this guy? Why can't he just be different, be like us? But he couldn't, he wasn't. He was the Son of God. He was the Son of God. The Bible says there in Matthew 27 that wagging their heads. And you know, that's exactly what happens in our day. When people, young people, individuals come to the knowledge of the truth, we have those that, that don't believe, those who are living in darkness are, are wagging their heads. Oh, oh my why, why, you know, why can't they just be like the rest of us? Why do they have to be so different? But, you know, that's what Jesus does. He makes a difference. He makes a change. He also says there, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. They were, they were making fun of him. This is all taking place in the last couple hours, the moments of his life. Mark 15, verse 31, the chief priests, even, they were mocking him. They said, oh, he saved others. Let him, let him save himself. Himself he cannot save. They were making fun of it. I believe this morning, without a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus Christ could have came down from that cross and, and, and dispersed those people like ants. But he didn't. He was doing the will of the Father. God. His only begotten Son. He was doing what God wanted him to do. Why? Because of the sins of the people. For your sins and for mine. <clears throat> Luke 23, verse 39. As he's hanging there, gasping for breath. One of the malefactors in verse 39 of chapter 23 railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. Why can't you do that? Probably that's what he's thinking. You know, if you're God's son, you can save us from this. Horrible moment. But the next verse goes on and says, The other answering rebuked him, saying, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. This is taking place in the last moments of Jesus' life. <clears throat> and then in verse 33, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The one who rebuked the other one. 
that individual seen the light. And there was compassion. There was love there, I believe. He wanted to do what was right. And that's what Jesus does. As he's hanging there, as he's hanging there on the cross, John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27, Jesus saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Referring to John. I believe as Jesus looked down from that cross, and as he looked into the face of his mother, he said, Behold thy son. Take care of him. Love him. Help him. Show him the way. And then to his disciple, as he looked into the face of John, he said, Behold thy mother. And I believe that's, that's the cry from our Lord and Savior to each one of us. To, to care for our brother. To care for our sister. For our mother. For our father. To love them. That's the, that's the, um, the uh, cry that came from Jesus. It's almost over. It's in from the from the from the sixth hour to the ninth hour here now, and and in these last uh, few things that have taken place, in uh, chapter twenty-seven of Matthew, verse forty-six. What did Jesus do after all these things that we had just talked about? He says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I believe there was a moment there. I believe there was a moment there in history when Jesus was hanging on that cross that God simply couldn't bear to see what was taking place. And Christ felt that. He felt that forsaken, that forsaken uh, moment. Verse 28 of chapter 19, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, he knew that everything was that, that, that needed to be done had taken place up until the very last moment. He said, I thirst. And when they heard that, verse 30 says, Jesus had received the vinegar, said, it is finished. It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Luke says, records it this way and says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. But that wasn't the end. That wasn't the end, brothers and sisters. If we would stop there, if history would stop there, we would have no hope, no future. <clears throat> but it goes on to tell us in Matthew chapter 27 there, verse 51, of the, whole, the great earthquake. And I believe this morning that that was an earthquake like no other earthquake has ever been. Because the people were scared. They were frightened. And at the very moment of the earthquake, there was a, 
a, a, a renting, <clears throat> rending that took place in the veil of the temple that was torn from top to bottom. And mind you this morning, that veil was made in such a way that it couldn't be cut or torn or pulled apart. They used uh, one a commentary writing that I read um, says that they used oxen to, to test it and to, to make sure that this curtain was strong because it separated them from the Holy of Holies. And to make sure that nothing would, would tear this curtain or, or ruin it or, or happen that people could get in there. But at the moment that Jesus Christ hung his head, gave up the ghost, said, it is finished, is when there was a great earthquake and the, the tearing of this temple veil from top to bottom. That's our God. That's the greatness of our God. And it doesn't stop there. It says that the opening of the graves in the, the, the very next verse came out of the graves. People rose from the dead. And then we have the confession of the centurion in verse 54 where he simply sat there in awe, I believe, as he looked at the Savior whom he had helped to crucify. Probably held the nail to allow those Roman soldiers to drive it through his feet. He says, truly this was the Son of God. We have the conviction of the multitude in Luke chapter 23, verse 48. We have the breaking of the legs of the thieves in John chapter 19, 31 and 32, where they went and they, they, just to make sure that these, peop, these individuals were dead and, and would not be alive. They broke the legs of the, the two that were on either side, but when it came to Jesus, he was already gone. He was already dead. <clears throat> just to make sure they took a, a spear and pierced it into the side of Jesus. Piercing his side. And the Bible tells us that there came forth blood and water enough to wash away the sins of the world. We have the entombment where they took him down from the cross. They didn't want to leave him hang there over the Sabbath. They came and they took him down. And to make sure that when they took him down, they said, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, they, say, they still called him deceiver. They didn't call him savior, they called him deceiver. While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. See, they still couldn't comprehend that or understand that. But, these soldiers... These ones who were in charge, they commanded therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come and take him away. And steal him away. And say that he has risen from the dead. They didn't want that to happen. They want to make sure that this, this Jesus was gone and dead. Not to have anything left of him. 
Even Pilate said unto them, you have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. Don't leave anything undone. Make sure that he is not going to come forth from that tomb. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. And there again, according to some writings, some things that have been recorded, you know, this was a, a rope or, or some kind of thing that was put across that stone. It was made, it, it, was, it was drilled into the, the stones on either side to make sure that that stone was not going to roll away or, or that anybody could open it. But at the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. They wanted to see and to make sure. There was, there was this, this growing, um, burning sensation within them to, to again see their Lord and, and just to go check on Him to make sure. Uh, because they, they remember too that He said on the third day I'll rise again. And, and they, wanted to, they wanted to be there. Um, but when they got there, the Bible says, Behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone. Again, the great hand of our God. Rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. This angel did. As they came running up there, his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Those who were told to sit there and to guard that tomb, as they looked at this and they seen it, the Bible tells us that it became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here. He is not here. For he is risen as he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. Brothers and sisters this morning, Jesus is not in the tomb. He is risen. And he's seated at the right hand of God this morning, interceding for us, you and I. And he's doing what he was sent to do. And that is to save the people from their sins. That's the greatest accomplishment, the greatest mission. That has ever been done. And this morning. He is still doing that. I know of individuals. I know of young couples. I know of many of them. Right now. At this very moment. Who are seeing the light. They're coming to the knowledge of the truth. And they're being hated. They're being. They're being. Uh, accused and condemned. And criticized. And all for the sake of Jesus Christ. God help us this morning. We're still on the winning side. We're still on the winning side. Jesus <clears throat> is not in the tomb, but he is alive. You know, I heard an individual here this past week talking about the stoning of Stephen. And how that, as he was being stoned, he seen, he seen Jesus 
um, standing at the right hand of God. You know, it, it, the Bible talks about him, uh, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. It also, also talks about him standing at the right hand of God. And he said something like this. I never thought of it in this way, but, he, but I kind of like it. I, I, I like this thought. He says that Jesus is, for the most part, seated at the right hand of God. But when, but when individuals, Christians, born-again believers, die and pass from this earth into eternity, Jesus stands to welcome them. I kind of like that thought. Well, it talks about both ways. It talks about standing and it talks about seating. Either way, Jesus is there ready for you to enter. I have a poem here that we want to bring this thing to a close. I didn't want to spend a lot of time as we think about communion this morning. But this poem has always been dear to me. It talks about three crosses. It says, three crosses stood on Calvary's hill, surrounded by a mob. Two crosses bore two dying thieves, and one the Lamb of God. Two crosses bore two dying thieves, who justly suffered shame. The one cross bore God's sacrifice, the lamb for sinners slain. One thief received the dying lamb, repented of his sin. The other thief refused to hear and did not enter in. Praise God for the cross. You know, it costs more to redeem us than to create us. In creation, there was but the speaking of the word when God spoke things into existence. In redeeming us, there was a shedding of blood. There was a cost involved. And may I say this morning, those who come to the knowledge of the truth accept Jesus Christ as Lord of their lives, there's a cost. There's a cost, but it's a cost that will um, take us to eternity throughout heaven, <clears throat> throughout eternity and, uh, and forever and forever. And so this morning, as we think about being together here um, in sharing together in the emblems of the things that he had told us, this do in remembrance of me. That's what we want to do as we partake of the, the bread and the cup, typifying his body, broken body, and his shed blood. And we want to do that this morning. As we're together here, we're, we're glad for Mel and Marie to be back with us in our midst. Uh, we could all be together here, looking forward to our fellowship time afterward. But praise God this morning for the opportunity of again um, being a part of communion where we can remember what Christ done for us. And so this morning, <clears throat> I would like to, um, I would like to just open it up and, and, and if there's anyone has, that has anything they'd like to share or